Welcome to the Prodigy Maker Show with Chris Lewitt. Chris Lewitt is an internationally recognized high-performance coach, educator, and author of two best-selling books, The Tennis Technique Bible and The Secrets of Spanish Tennis. The show can be watched live, and video versions of the show are archived at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. And now, here's Chris. It's the Prodigy Maker Show, episode 62. Chris Lewitt back with you again after a summer hiatus, a summer recess, but we're going live today and I have a bunch of good shows planned for the fall and I'm going to try to get this show out to you guys uh, this, uh, this week because I'm going away, I'm doing some traveling, but I wanted to check in. I know a lot of people have asked me when are the shows coming back and uh, apologize for the break. But we had a very busy summer camp, a very successful summer camp. Lots of players from all over the world and the U.S. coming to this little club in Vermont where I coach. And it was a great summer. We had a lot of good players, a lot of, especially this summer, every summer is different. This summer we had a lot of talented young players, especially under 12, uh, 10, 11, some of the best in the country. So it was very exciting for me because after all, I am the prodigy maker. I enjoy seeing those little prodigies competing and training with us. So it was, uh, I mean, we had a nice group of high school age players as well, but I was particularly impressed with the young, talented group that we had, both boys and girls. I think we have some future uh, potentially gold ball winners who were here uh, and definitely top in their section. We had a bunch of top players who I think will be number one in the, the New York uh, section, which is called the Eastern section of the USDA. And I think they will be uh, solid top 10 nationally ranked players as well. So we had a lot of talent uh, in the younger divisions with me. And we had some older boys also go to nationals, which is good. But I was particularly impressed with some of the young kids who we had training with us this summer. I wanted to update you guys on what I've been up to. I have a lot of projects that were a little bit on hold because of the summer camp. Basically, when we do six or seven weeks of the summer, uh, my life uh, is completely dedicated to the kids who are coming to visit here. And uh, my passion and my all my energy goes to them. And I, I it's very actually very draining. And I try to take a little break in this month in August. Usually we go to Spain uh, this year we have the little baby, so we're not going to Spain, but, uh, we will be going to Spain over the, the winter break. So I'll be able to give you guys some more information and observations about what's happening in Spain vis-a-vis -vis the academies and, and the, the, the best coaches in Spain. The academy picture is always in flux in Spain. There's been some major changes and I'll update you on those. I took a study trip in June and that will be the context of this show. And I'll try to remember uh, all of my, my impressions. I took a lot of notes uh, uh, that will help, but I will try to recollect uh, the, the, the Spain trip from June, where I went to visit a number of top academies and spent several days at the Juan Carlos Ferrero Equilid, or Equilite, Equilite, they pronounce it, I think. Uh, where basically where Carlos Alcaraz or Alcaraz, as they say in Spain, where, where Alcaraz is training 
and I actually got to meet Alcaraz and watch him train for several days, which was really cool. I'll update you guys on that. And uh, one major change in Spain is the Bruguera Academy has closed. Uh, so the Bruguera Academy is one of my, uh, it's a place dear to my heart. And we can talk more about what happened, but the academy is now closed. The club where they existed since 1986 is, uh, has been sold. And you can no longer train at the Bruguera Academy. It was up in the hills of Barcelona. Very sad for me because it was like my second home in Spain. And I used to go there to study with Luis Bruguera and his family. And all the, I knew the team there very well. And that academy has closed, which I think is a pretty big story in terms of Spanish tennis, uh, because that was uh, Luis Bruguera is one of the legends of Spain, and that academy was at the forefront of the Spanish Revolution. So it's a bit, uh, I feel a bit sad about that, and I have a lot of memories from that club, especially up in the mountains uh, outside of the city of Barcelona, that uh, I guess the, the, the place will have to live only in my memory now. Uh, in terms of what I've been doing, uh, some updates are I wanted to share with you that there will be a bunch of new DVDs coming out. I'm making them with championship production, so uh, look out for that. Uh, I will send more information out to you if you're on our mailing lists and email lists and things like that. Uh, so we're doing some professional quality DVDs. Also, we did a course in the spring for coaches and parents, and there were also players there. And the course was about the legends of Spain. It was a course that com compared and contrasted Luis Bruguera, Pato Alvarez, and Tony Nadal and their teaching methods and their philosophies. I think it was a really interesting course. I think we had about 10 or 15 coaches at the club here in the springtime. But I'm excited that that, was, that workshop was professionally filmed. It was a day-long workshop, and I will be able to, sh to uh, we're going to upload it and um, produce it, basically, so you, so you can download it from anywhere and watch the workshop. It will be on the clta.teachable.com uh, platform, which is, Teachable is like a, a service that offers uh, courses. So all of my digital courses, you can, you can purchase them. They're not very expensive. They're usually, I think, like $40.00. And you can have uh, access to those courses, which I think uh, I, they're really high quality, the, especially the, the ones that we, we film professionally. This one was filmed professionally by my buddy. Uh, so I'm excited that that will be coming out. If you want to learn about Tony Nadal, Luis Bruguera, William Pato Alvarez, who recently passed away, sadly, uh, who won't be coaching in Spain anymore. Now the Bruguera... Uh, Bruguera is trying to come back, but uh, the club and the academy has officially closed. Uh, these are some big stories from Spain. And if you want to learn about those, uh, those famous coaches, including Tony Nadal, feel free to check out the, the online school for, for Chris Lewitt Tennis Academy. I think there's some really good information there if you're interested and if you have a passion and a curiosity for Spanish tennis the way I do. I think it will be good. Also, I wrote a very well received article for Tennis Player Magazine. It is a technical and biomechanical and anatomical analysis of Riley Opelka's serve. I don't know if you guys caught that. Uh, it was in the spring and I'm proud of that. I, I spent a long time uh, basically analyzing Riley Opelka's serve uh, point by point, 
stage by stage and included a lot of anatomical discussion about what he's doing with his uh, uh, what he's doing physically with his muscles and joints and also of course the biomechanics of his serve some of the um, some of the unique things that uh, that Riley Opelka does that I think are really cool so if you have a chance to check that out we will be sending it out in an in a uh, uh, in our newsletter coming up, but uh, if, you, if you're a subscriber to TennisPlayer.net, please check that article out. I spent a lot of time on that, and I'm quite proud of that article. I think it may have gotten lost in the summer camp shuffle a bit, but uh, that, that article is, uh, if you're interested in the breakdown of uh, professional serving technique and the biomechanics of each stage and the, and the anatomy, the anatomical movements themselves, if, you, if that floats your boat, for some of you, you may not you may not care that much, but if you're um, like a technique and anatomy and physiology nerd, you might appreciate that article. Um, anyway, I'm proud of that one, and um, I have a lot going on this year because we we are trying to get the second edition of the Secrets of Spanish Tennis book out. That's one of the reasons I went to Spain in June, and I'll I'll be going again to try to catch up on the latest trends in Spanish tennis. And the I, I've already started writing several new chapters for the book, and we're going to be updating all the information. So, for example, the chapter that discusses all of the academies will be updated with the latest information about each of the top academies in Spain. For those of you looking to um, research uh, different places to train in Spain, I have a new, new chapter on on um, Alcaraz and the rise of Alcaraz, which I think is a fascinating part of a uh, new addition to the Spanish story. Uh, incredible, uh, incredible addition, actually. Alcaraz may go on the cover of the new book. And also talk about um, Antonio Cascales and, uh, and, and his impressions of the history. Antonio Cascales is a, he's a, he's a very, accomplished Spanish coach. He coached Juan Carlos Ferrero and I got to interview him in my last trip in June and he gave me some really fascinating information about the history of Spanish tennis. So I've, I've updated the history section of the book as well with some of the information that I learned from Antonio and I also wrote a very good article for TennisPlayer.net, another article. Uh, usually I like to contribute to TennisPlayer.net. That's John Yandel's uh, online magazine very successful uh, tennis magazine uh, that's that's uh, called The Other Tony. So if you have a chance, check that out too. The Other Tony, like The Other White Meat, but The Other Tony, because most people know Tony Nadal very well, but uh, Tony Cascales is less well known, but very, very successful in Spain. And I would argue that he's uh, incredibly influential to the success of Spanish tennis. He has been very influential. He coached Juan Carlos Ferrero. And he's uh, contributed to the, uh, the, he's been helping Carlos Alcaraz as well, which is uh, pretty amazing. He has two, two stars like that in his stable. And he's, he's the part owner of the Juan Carlos Ferrero Academy, uh, Equilibre. So the Secrets of Spanish Tennis book, will we are planning to try to get it out in spring, spring 2023. So put that on in your calendars. And uh, I have two other Spanish books that are also in the works. And I've mentioned that to you guys. We have the one on Spanish Tennis Wisdom, which is all about uh, 
the it's like a quote book with with all of the the wisdom that I've learned from traveling so many years in Spain. Uh, it will have you know quotes from anyone from Tony Nadal, uh, Luis Bruguera, uh, Pato Alvarez, Jose Higueras, all those great coaches whom I've studied. I've had the the great for the good fortune of studying with, and it will be compiled into different chapters where you can easily uh, look up different uh, subjects and get some Spanish wisdom maybe to share with your your uh, son or daughter or to share with a friend or share with a student. And I think it'll be really a really good resource and it'll be a fun read too. And then I, I'm very excited about writing a new book called Spanish Tennis Tactics where we just, the book is solely dedicated to tactics. There's not a lot of good tactical books out there in the tennis world. And I want to get this uh, book written about, about the the tactical and strategic aspects uh, that are taught in Spain, that are stressed in Spain, the tactical and strategic priorities from Spain uh, that I've learned from from those from those legends who, whom I've studied with. So I, I'm, those three, if if we can get them all going, then it would make a nice trilogy. You know, we have kind of like a three pack that we could also we could also um, sell in bookstores and online. So I think that's kind of cool to have a. Uh, a lot, you know, the the beginning of a library of Spanish uh, tennis books because no one else is really writing about Spanish tennis. I don't think anyone has traveled or studied as, as extensively in Spain as I have. So I have this unique knowledge, and I figure I should share it because um, it's a passion of mine, and uh, and I know a lot of you out there are interested in what's actually happening in Spain and how they're how are, how do they manage to be so successful? Now we have Alcaraz coming up, and it's. Uh, very exciting. Uh, you see another successful Spanish player uh, coming from this very small country because they have such a good uh, teaching system, although some people say it's not a system. Uh, after interviewing uh, Tony Cascales, it makes me almost uh, question that. Like, I think there is, a, there is definitely a system going on there. And in the book, I tried to talk about the key elements of that system, even though a lot of coaches in Spain do not like to talk about a system. You know, they don't like that word. Uh, so that's, that's sort of like a taboo word. But there's definitely a method and there's a, there's a consistent philosophy that's being taught across all the academies pretty much. And among all the great coaches in Spain, all the most influential coaches, there's there's definitely themes and there's a there's a patterns that you see if you travel around and and, and spend enough time in Spain. And I think that's what I tried to capture in the Secrets of a Spanish Tennis book, and I think people appreciated that because uh, it was very simply explained, and you could understand that even though there are lots of difference, differences among the coaches there and among the academies, there are these parallels that. Um, that that run true all across the country. So when I first uh, went to Spain in June, uh, I I spent the first few days in Barcelona, and I I wanted to go back to Sanchez Casal Academy. So if you have any question, if you have any questions, if you happen to be listening live, or you want you want to shoot me questions later. You can. You can ask me anything about Spain or, or any other junior development questions that have been bugging you since I took the summer off. But basically in Barcelona, if you're going to Barcelona, where are you going to train? It used to be that Sanchez Casal 
they were the big daddy, you know, that they were the big gorilla in Spain. They had the most famous players like Dimitrov and Andy Murray was training there and Pato Alvarez was there. Now Pato Alvarez is, uh, has passed, but they, were, they had a cadre of, you know, former Davis Cup players from Spain. They had this, this, this incredible, incredibly rich uh, tapestry of, of coaches and knowledge there. Uh, and it was it was the most amazing place, like in the early, I would say early two thousands, you know. And I, I think the the luster, the the sheen of the academy has has maybe softened a bit or dulled a bit, and it's not as famous anymore. One of the main reasons is well, one I don't think they they are ha they have as many pro uh, top professionals training there anymore, and that's definitely what I witnessed when I was there. Uh, recently, um, you know, that, that, that sort of, that glamour, that um, having some of the celebrities on site is usually a very big draw for junior players. And I don't think you, you, you need to have that to offer professional world-class training, but it certainly helps in terms of word of mouth and, and uh, it, it's a draw. It's like a marketing draw, too. And I think Sanchez Casal has moved for, I'm not sure why, I was going to ask Emilio what's going on with their, their plan, because, uh, quick question here, do you, what do you think is going to happen to UTR now that USTA is not using their ratings anymore? Uh, I think UTR, it's an interesting question, feel free to shoot me any questions, guys, and I'll just, I'll just sort of rap about Spain and my trip and my observations and thoughts, but... UTR, I think, is potentially in, in trouble because, n number one, I'll be honest with you, I don't like how how commercial, and if, UTR to me, they strike me as very mercenary. If you're familiar with that word, mercenary means, they, they're, I think they're really driven around money and making money, and, and they're very commercially driven. And... That is a turnoff for me. Even though I have a UTR club, I, I, I offer a lot of UTR tournaments because they are in vogue right now and they're very popular. I'm not sure that popularity will last and I'm not sure how long UTR can survive with their current business model. I know they have big plans, but I don't know how much money they're making. I don't know if they're, if they're very profitable or not. I actually haven't researched that, but I'm curious as to whether they are profitable and uh, what did you hear from UTR tournament directors? Uh, yeah, th there's, there's a lot of pressure. Like I paid $2,000. I have a small club. I paid $2,000 uh, pre the previous year just to host UTR events. And then they changed the, the subscription rates. Or, and I was able to just do, because I usually run more tournaments in, in, the, yeah, in the summer. Um, one of the persons... Uh, we're getting some comments here live and uh, the contributors saying that they're very money driven. So I feel that way about UTR. I feel that's a turnoff. Uh, I was able to get a, um, like a package where I don't have to pay an annual fee, which really helped me out as a small business. But I felt a lot of pressure to buy a very expensive annual package, even though most of our, we, we do tournaments during the winter, but we do a lot more events in the summertime. So I didn't feel like, I felt like I definitely 
pay, overpaid for for the for what I was getting. But uh, in the previous year, fortunately, they let me have a new uh, new like more flexible subscription for my club because we are not like a big club. We're not doing a huge uh, numbers like some large large club systems. But I think in the end, it may, I don't know what's going to happen to the business. So just, so, so strictly speaking, from, from a business perspective, you have, you have USDA, they, they're going to, you know, if you're not aligned with USDA, if USDA is not going to, um, I don't know the, the details of that relationship with USDA and UTR, but if they've fallen apart, they're not going to work together. I think that's, that's obviously damaging for UTR. You also have the ITF with their tennis rating uh, coming out and they're going to be fighting. You know, there's a lot of people competing in this space, which I think is an, uh, raises a lot of alarm bells for me just from a business perspective, because when you have a lot of people in a small space, I mean, how much money is there really to go around in the tennis rating and tournament uh, promoting world? I mean, I don't know if it's a big, uh, big I don't know what the the size of that market is, but and my feeling is uh, the more people that, that get into that space, the less there is to go around, it becomes less profitable. And you have this company that's very money driven, very mercenary. I don't know wh what happens to them uh, from here. So that's all I can say about that. I don't know the details of their balance sheet or if they're even profitable or if they're I don't know if they're doing gangbusters. I know they've grown a lot, but you can grow. Like think of the dot com era. Like you can grow your company very fast, but that doesn't mean that you're making good money. Doesn't mean that you're profitable. And sometimes those businesses can crash and burn. So I don't know if that's going to be the story here with UTR. Or, but I think they definitely need alliances. And if if they're losing alliances, that's probably that probably bodes um, that probably bodes poorly for them in the future. That's definitely a, uh, a negative uh, for them. Anyway, if you have any more questions about that, let me know. In uh, I wanted to talk about Sanchez Casal a bit because I feel like, yeah, just uh, we have a question about uh, Spain and where to train if you're like a futures player. I get lots of queries like that. Just shoot me an email, or you can message me directly. My personal cell is nine one four four six two two nine one two, or you can WhatsApp me at the same number. And I, I answer lots of questions about where to train in Spain and trying to find the, the best fit. That's one of the reasons why I wrote the book. But I get questions like that almost almost weekly. So feel free to hit me up and I'll, I'll answer that. Uh, there's lots of good options in Spain. Some of those I will talk about here in the, uh, the, the coming segments of the show. But uh, Sanchez Casal, I feel, has lost some of its luster. But I think it's a really interesting place because the, the academy system or the method is still really, really good. So I was there for a few days. I was there uh, one day just kind of walking the grounds and ob observing. And then I was there uh, two more two more days, uh, another weekday and also a Saturday morning. I was able to sit in with the director there whose name is Stefan Ortega, great guy. I never met him before. Really, really, uh, actually really a dynamic coach like he's a coach's coach like he's on the court all the time he's got a great charisma great personality he's very very funny and he's uh intense he has a he has a lot of great uh of the qualities you'd look for in a in a coach not just a guy who's kind of like 
you know, shuffling coaches from court to court or walking around with a clipboard. He seemed to me like a coach's coach, and I, I thought his style was very good. So he's in charge there now, uh, but the he- some of the heavyweights are not there uh, anymore. They used to have a lot of celebrity pros there. They used to have uh, like an amazing team of former Davis Cup coaches. So I think they, they've lost some of the um, the formula or the recipe that, that made them legendary back, you know, maybe fifth, I don't want to, you know, 10 and 15 or more years ago, but I still think that's a very good place to train. What's really, what's really strong there is the school. They, they've, they, you know, Emilio is really focusing on, on the school aspect, like to get a good quality education. So usually when I recommend Sanchez Casal and if parents are serious about uh, getting a private school education or getting the best possible education. That's like one of the first places I ask them to look because the school is, is very professionally run and that's one of their big advantages. But also the, the, the teaching system there, if you understand the history of their methodology, it's amazing. It's, it's potentially, arguably, the, still the best teaching method maybe in the world. The, the teaching system there was developed directly by William Pato Alvarez. And William Pato Alvarez is an absolute, I'm convinced, genius tennis coach. A lot of people don't know his story. Part of why I wrote the book was to sort of talk about his story and his history because he's relatively, he's not that well known. But the system that they are doing there, all the coaches are trained in, I don't want to say it, it's the the William Pato Alvarez system because Emilio and Sergio were were Pato's students, and they, they, they sort of adapted the, the method a little bit, but it's basically coming from Pato Alvarez. It's coming from the legend of Spain, the, the godfather of Spain, the 800-pound the gorilla of Spain, the guy who basically transformed the whole country with his mind, his method, his, his, uh, his charisma, and his passion, and his hard work and dedication. This guy... The only way I can describe it to people who are not from Spain, this guy was like like a Nick Boletari, like a like a Rick Macy, uh, like that type of figure. And and this guy, he, he the system there is still, it's basically, Pato lives on there, which that's really special. Uh, can you send that question again? Because on on a YouTube live the. The comments come up really quickly, and there there's probably a way to uh, to uh, like sticky them or something, but I don't know how to do it. Uh, so I just think it's still a very special place, despite you know there, people have criticisms of that academy. I think it's still an amazing place to train, uh, especially if you get like they have a private they have a private lesson package like i was looking at their different options so they have something new that never existed before i mean it's very american they they offer you know you can get one-on-one training in addition to the regular <laughs> academy training i whether you, you can criticize that or not but uh that's that's like kind of a new thing that they've been doing and i think if you get that sort of deal you get a one-on-one plus like the regular academy drills i think it's a very powerful system it's a very rote it's a, it's a system based on rote repetition, which is a turnoff for some people. Are the older Spanish academies outcompeted by Nadal? Yeah, so that, that's sort of, that's a very good point. That, that's kind of what happened to Sanchez Casal. You, you see people call it the older Spanish academy. Like, it's sort of been lost 
it, it's it's been eclipsed. It's been sort of stomped on by by mainly the Rafa Nadal Academy, which is this giant, uh, another giant 800-pound gorilla uh, that's a little harder to get to in Mallorca, but but they came in, I don't know, 2015, 2016, maybe they started built. Uh, you know, my, my book was printed in, I think, 2014, and there's no mention of the Rafa Nadal Academy because it didn't exist. And so this, this, um, this huge operation... Uh, I, I want to say like a, like a magnet, like the Rafa Nadal Academy definitely has, has hurt a lot of the programs on the mainland. They don't want to talk about that, but I mean, there's no doubt that when the Rafa Nadal built that thing, uh, and that thing is a, like they're, they're like a marketing machine over there, that it's it's hurting all the business on the mainland. You know, all the academies on the mainland. Yeah, I've been there, of course, and. Uh, I need to go and and again for some updates, but I've actually studied Tony's system a lot. Um, I took a very extensive online course with Tony's methodology and philosophy, but I've been to the academy, of course, and I've interviewed Tony um, personally, actually one on one live. I interviewed him and I wrote uh, I wrote uh, I've written several articles on his teaching method and philosophy, so I feel like I understand what they're doing over there very well. Um, but they have they have uh, definitely I mean and, and not only in Spain but they they draw I mean heck I probably lose business to the Rafa Nadal Academy Rafa Nadal Academy is marketing all over the world they're building satellite academies all over the world they market here even in in I'm in the northeastern United States they have camps here that compete directly with my camp which I don't appreciate but the camps are I would say not not uh, not nearly uh, as high quality as what you might get as an annual player at the Rafa Nadal Academy. They're, they're, uh, you know, they're, I think they're, it's, I don't think it's, it's, it's equivalent to what you would get in Spain if you're an annual student, let's put it that way. But, um, you know, they, they are, they are, they have a huge marketing budget and they're, they're, they're funded and they do a lot of advertising and, and they draw a lot of players from around the world. They're, and, and, you can't say that that doesn't affect the other places in Spain. It's had a huge effect. Maybe it contributed, you could argue that it contributed to the closing of Bruguera Academy. And um, I was happy to see that the Sanchez Casal Academy, my first trip to Spain was in 2006, I believe. And I went directly to the Sanchez Casal Academy in Barcelona, the Open Tennis Club, in um, uh, just out, just outside of Barcelona, in the suburbs, it's right by the airport, and I have I spent a few weeks there taking their certification course many years ago, and I, Pato Alvarez was there, and I got to study with him every day. It was like the most amazing experience for me as a young coach. So I have these great, I actually have these wonderful memories of uh, of my first study trip ever to Spain and and I have a lot of good memories at that club and it was really wonderful for me just on a personal level to be back there to be walking the grounds everything looked almost the same everything looks good the club's in nice shape I don't know why they can't clean up the entrance there there's like graffiti on the entrance by the highway and you know there's trash It's, it's it's dirty on the entrance once you get to the club grounds and go through the gates the club is is immaculate but I just I don't understand why they can't clean up the entrance to the club because uh, I'm assuming they have the power and the finances to do that. It just doesn't make sense to me why 
why they let the the entrance there's like a little uh, access road that you take off the highway and um it's just like very dirty and trashy i don't know why they they just don't clean that up regularly it doesn't make sense to me just from a you know just from a uh, optics point of view or aesthetics but once you get to the club grounds it's it's immaculate and it's a beautiful club it's kind of uh in this uh, farming area just off the highway so there's nothing you can really walk to you can walk to the hotel uh where i stayed actually which is nice uh, but the hotel is, is not as as uh, nice as it used to be either the, the the hotel is a little a little drab and dark and uh you know it's, it's it's like a corporate hotel that you can you can walk to and stay in it's, it's not as uh, nice as i remembered it the first time but you can't really walk to a village or anything that's what made the bruguera academy so unique and special um the one second i'll answer that question about ferrer uh, so the the bruguera academy was up in the mountains it was in a village it was in the village of santa coloma uh, and it was just so unique like you could just walk down the hill and you could go shopping go to the grocery and really like live the the life of a spanish local that's what made the place so so darn special and i used to you know i spent many summers there uh with my family actually and that just will never happen again. It's really sad. But but uh, Sanchez Casal doesn't really have that option to walk to places. Uh, so you asked me about the David Ferrer Academy. That's one academy that I haven't been to. Uh, be, for whatever reason, I was down in Alicante. And I, I, I actually had a meeting to go see them on this trip. And I decided to stay in, um, in Juan Carlos Ferrer's Academy because... Uh, Alcaraz was there and I wanted to watch Alcaraz train every day. So I had, I actually had a planned a trip to David Ferrer's Academy. I mean, I can tell you some information about it. They have a brand new sport facility that they built. So they have this brand new facility in a new location and they are, I mean, they're trying to do high, you know, high performance, just like, uh, just like Juan Carlos Ferrer. I think if you want to go to Alicante, you should definitely check out J.C. Ferrero's Academy first because it's kind of the the most uh, successful in that area. But uh, you know, I followed uh, the Ferrer Academy closely online, and and they have uh, they I mean they're definitely producing good players. So I think the it I I can't say for sure because I haven't visited and studied uh, there as much as uh, at all, uh, and so I I can only tell you that. Uh, they're well respected and I assume they do a professional job, but I, I don't have firsthand experience going to their, their, um, their, their new facility. They have a, they have a new sport, uh, training center, uh, some sort of partnership with like a local park. Uh, I was talking to the representative about it, but that's all I can tell you about Ferrer. Uh, I will talk about uh, J.C. Ferrero because I spent uh, a few days there and it was really fascinating. So uh, that's really where I would start if you're going down to Alicante. There are some other smaller academies also in Valencia and Alicante that if you're a futures player, depending on your ranking, you might consider uh, one of them is Lozano Altur. Lozano, L-O-Z-A-N-O, dash Altur. A-L-T-U-R. Those are two top coaches uh, in Spain, and they have a partnership, and they have a they, they cater to professional players at Lozano Altur. I have another friend in Elche, 
which is also in Alicante, in the Alicante region, who caters only to professional players, small academies. There's a number of smaller academies now that are popping up, uh, not just in Alicante, but also in Barcelona. So if you are a professional level, like you're, you don't need like a full academy. You're not bringing like an 11 or 12-year-old kid over. Uh, if you're more like a futures player or a high-level college player, there are a number of smaller options that you probably never even heard of that, that you might be able to get a good deal at and get very professional, pretty hardcore Spanish training that you would never know about unless uh, you read my book. I'm going to put those new ones in, in my book so people can, in that situation, can look into it. But those aren't places for young kids or beginners or even intermediate players, you know, things like that. Uh, there's another one, Four Slam in Barcelona, which is incredible. Really good training at Four Slam, but they, again, they cater to very high-level ITF and professional players. So, you know, if you need like a full-service academy, you have uh, fewer choices. There are places like the, the smaller ones usually only take uh, pros, transitional pros, or good college players, or ITF players, or things like that. The the full-service academies are like Sanchez Casal, another one, Barcelona Total Tennis, J.C. Ferrero does a full-service academy, you know, these are so, uh, Rafa, Rafael Nadal Academy, RNA does that full-service as well, so like they can accommodate pretty much all levels of people coming in. Um, and I'll differentiate that in the book, I'll make sure, I, I, I don't want anyone going to a, an academy that has a very high standard and they're not prepared for that, that, that would be a big shock for a player to go there. They probably wouldn't accept, they probably want to see like video or do a trial. Some of those places want to do a trial of your game. Uh, so yeah, I just, I wanted to kind of uh, just almost remind everyone, and I'm going to do this in the book too, that, that, that Sanchez Casal Academy is still, it's not called Sanchez Casal, it's called Emilio Sanchez Academy. Because Sergio retired. That's another new, you know, a lot of news there. That's big news in the Spanish tennis coaching world. Uh, so Sergio Casal retired, and uh, it, the, the whole academy has been rebranded, Emilio Sanchez Academy. I think the teaching system is arguably the best teaching system or method in, in the world. Uh, it, it, it is the brainchild. It, it is the, the continuation of the teaching philosophy and method of William Pato Alvarez, a legend. And there's something really special about that. There's something very special about training within that style that's the style that that helped propel spain to the top of the world in the 1970s and 1980s you know william pato alvarez was was pushing spain upward with his uh his incredible energy and and passion and there was another coach at that time luis bruguera who was also propelling spain up and i think what I argued in the book, and I still believe very strongly, is those two figures were instrumental in the rise of Spanish tennis in the 1980s, especially, and in the early 90s. And, and, and without those two dynamic figures, Spain probably wouldn't be where it is today in terms of its tennis success. Uh, but that is, uh, you know, I can't prove that, but I can make a case for that. So I think those two figures are really determinant in, in, in terms of what happened in Spain in the, the past 30 or 40 years. And that, to me, that, that captured my interest as a writer and as a coach. And that's part of how I, I got into studying in Spain and writing 
the original book because that, that story um, captured my curiosity. The, the story of those two legends and their influence on this small country, that, that captured my, it piqued my interest. So Sanchez Casal is there. Don't forget about the old academy, Sanchez Casal, because it still it still has this amazing teaching system and, and a lot of dedicated coaches. Uh, there are, I mean, we can get into some of the criticisms there, but some of the the, the, the downsides. One is that what's really interesting. I'm going to talk about this in the book. Is that there's four of them now. You know, it's 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 like a commercial enterprise now. It's not just one place where you know Emilio used to be there, Sergio used to be there whole team of Davis Cup coaches used to be there and then Andy Murray was there and Dimitrov and Kuznetsova and like it's not just one place anymore Emilio's in Naples now and um, I think the coaching quality is still very good but it, it's just not the same like you would never know that unless you've been there back in the day but um, it's just it, it can't once you branch out and have lots of different uh, um, basically satellite operations once you have divisions and uh once you go multinational so emilio has you know his academy in naples he has an academy in the guy is amazing emilio is incredibly smart and very good coach and a very good business person he's incredible uh, he has an academy in atlanta and an academy in china and still the original um uh, Barcelona Academy it's unbelievable but but when you when you go multinational like that and you have you have to create like I was I was looking at at their their information their marketing information like you, you start to you have to have divisions you have to have a hierarchy you have to have uh, you know different managers at different levels it's it's not the same as when you just have like one place you know like the way it used to be it was just the the um that's not to say you can't get good training there. I'm just saying that's that's a reality, and and you start talking about systems and methods more rather than the interpersonal coaching between just like a guru or a very experienced coach and the player. You, you deal more like in our system, our methods. You see that a lot with the Emilio Sanchez Academy, but I'm saying that method is incredibly special. It, it, the, if you understand the the history and roots of that method, it's it's. It's uh, the teaching system that, that propelled Spain to the top of the world, along with Bruguera, uh, which is a slightly different teaching system or teaching method. But um, anyway, for me, uh, that academy is, I think, a lot of people overlook it now because they say it's old or, uh, you know, it, it, so, it sometimes it gets the criticism that it's too commercial, but... I, I think if you go there, you can get really high-level professional training. And you and if you like that system, this system of Pato Alvarez, the, that they have a certain um, they have a certain style. There's a lot of repetitions. There's they they do a, a specific sequence of baskets per day. Uh, and if you if you go if you if you go there and you enjoy that system, it can be a it can be an amazing place to train with the one of the original systems of Spain uh, teaching methods. If you like doing those baskets every day, some people don't like the rote repetition aspect. That's the way Pato Alvarez trained players. You know, that's the way he he believed in doing it. Lots and lots of baskets like that. So if if that's your thing, you you might love it there, and you get this great professional school as well. And uh, anyway, I have no 
guys, I'm not being, uh, this is not an infomercial for Sanchez Casal. This is just my, my impressions. And by the way, is anyone tired of podcasts that are just like infomercials nowadays? Like every podcast that I listen to, and I listen to a lot of tennis podcasts. And I was talking to another friend of mine who listens to a lot of tennis podcasts. Have you guys noticed that a lot of podcasts now are like very commercialized where you, you, you feel like the guest has paid for like an advertising spot. Like I'm seeing that or I'm, I'm listening to that more and more. It's kind of bugging me. And I want you guys to know that this show, I'm broadcasting from my daughter's uh, bedroom. This is legit. Like this is real. Like no one's paying me. I have, I mean, I may have my bias, biases, but, but you're just getting the straight dope, you know, like this is real. <laughs> and and I, I won't be selling out to anyone. I mean, I guess I talked about some of the things that I am selling at the onset, but I mean, this is, this is my, my career, my work, my writing, my, my uh, projects, you know, but I mean, yeah, I do this podcast to grow. Uh, I'm doing some marketing here, but I mean, you're just trying to, you know, grow your name and share your ideas. And so we're definitely doing that. But that have you noticed that a lot of the tennis podcasts, like even some of the, the most, I'm not going to name names, but there's some very well-known tennis podcasts. They seem more and more uh, like, like, a info, like an infomercial or, you know, uh, with like product and service placements. It's, it's uh, happening, I guess, all over the podcast industry. Yeah, the payers and players guys, I know that those guys very well, but they haven't been putting shows lately. That's a legit show. Like, those are real tennis dads, and they're smart. Uh, payers and players is a good one. You know, um, there's not that many podcasts out there. I have one, uh, a few listeners of the show who told me they, they're running out of options in the tennis podcast world because they, they feel... They feel the commercialism entering the spaces and and it's hard to get good information. What I do now is I, I, I search. I love listening to podcasts. So I, I listen to podcasts when I work. I work out a lot. I'm kind of like a, you know, I'm like a gym freak. And I love, and I'm doing a lot of training with my son who's a runner. So I'm doing a lot of, and I do like martial arts. I, I'm, I'm very, if you know me, like I'm constantly working out. So I'm, I, I like to take that time and, and like, listen to show, listen to, you know, interesting podcasts. And, and so what I do is I search for, for guests who I, I know are good quality guests, but it's getting harder and harder to find. Like I'll, I'll try to listen to, if I find Emilio Sanchez on a program, I don't care what program, I always love to listen to that. Or if I find a Jose Higueras, uh, on a, on a random program, I'll listen to that, you know, but more and more the shows seem to be very, very money driven and like like product and service placements or like ads more than more than a show uh i i, I could get i could get into some very funny criticisms of other shows i'm not going to do that just because i don't want to i don't want to start flaming other shows but there's you may know who i'm referring to there's some very well-known much more well-known than uh, uh my show much more popular than my show in the tennis space there's a few of them that i think are just like comical like it's so obvious and blatant that someone's paid to be on the show and, and talk about whatever they're doing and just i don't know how people can listen to that and 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 take it seriously so anyway so in spain the the luis bruguera the whole team of bruguera the the, the top coaches they've tried to reconstitute themselves as the bardo 
uh, tennis team, Bardot competition team. Check that out. It's called Bardot Academy. They have a new location. It, it's just for me, it's hard for them to... Uh, it's hard for them to, to... I can't get the old place out of my mind, which I love so much, you know. It, it was such an, so endearing to me, the, the old place and... And I ha and so the like the new location they're they're like renting space at a new club in Cornea, uh, which is just very close to Barcelona City, and it's it's a perfectly nice sports club. It's interesting that club used to be the the center for Catalan tennis. I, I guess the the Catalan Tennis Federation is still there, but they're not operating uh, an academy anymore. So there are a lot of independent programs and coaches training out of this club in Cornea. Uh, it's a big, uh, it's a it's a big club with lots of courts. They have hard courts and clay courts. Uh, I was learning the background of the club. A one of the famous Spanish players bought the club and is renovating it, so it's coming back to life. Uh, who was that player? the The name of the owner slips my mind, but it's a it's a, a professional tennis player bought that club in Cornea. It's a, and and he's renovating it and it's it's getting nicer and nicer again coming back to life and so there are a lot of independent coaches and, and academies there some of the small ones which I'll mention in the book where like they train more pros and there are independent coaches there like and like if you were an independent coach in Barcelona you could go and rent time at this club and teach there and there's a few other places like that the the Jimeno the Andres Jimeno club in in Castel de Fels is another one where you can do that. And there are some programs there like Barcelona Tennis Academy and uh, Elite Tennis Academy, which I, I tell people to be cautious about, actually, th those two academies, because they, they, um, they also are sort of, uh, they're independent and they lease, they, they don't own their facility, they, they, do, they lease courts and, and they do their programs that way. Uh, in the same way, Bardot is trying to grow and, and sort of recapture the, the, uh, the glory of the Bruguera days, and I'm hopeful they can do it. I have a lot of my friends there, so I guess I'm a little biased. I, I hope that they can they can rebuild and re, and they have a really good team of coaches there because they're all Bruguera coaches, Bruguera trained coaches. And Luis Bruguera is there, frequently offering his advice. But you know, Luis is getting older, and uh, he has uh, a lot of you know a lot of projects going on. But he's still like he's still like the genius legend that he is. It's just if you have time. Like the guy is, is uh, has one of the sharpest tennis minds I, I've ever uh, I've ever known, and I've learned uh, an incredible amount from him. So what can I say? They're they're trying to rebuild as Bardot, B-A-R-D-O-U, and if you want to give that place a try, if you miss uh, if you are a big Bruguera fan or you want to get some uh, some time with Luis Bruguera or Sergi Bruguera, sometimes there as well. Uh, that's a very uh, very special place to go, and I I, I couldn't not recommend that because the, obviously the team is very professional and very good. Uh, so they're there, uh, still in Barcelona. The, the academy that I send a lot of players to is BTT, which is Barcelona Total Tennis, which I did not visit this time, but I've been there many, many times. And uh, BTT is not as well known, but again, a, a place that you, where you can get very high level training in Barcelona. And in Barcelona as well, there's Forslam, which uh, apparently I am persona non grata there because some they have some squabble with Bruguera and they know that I've been trained by Bruguera, so I'm not really allowed to like go to Four Slam for whatever reason. But uh, I, you know I, I I I know that 
just from researching them that it's it's a really good place. The training is it, it's small. Uh, they only have, I think they have seven. Let's say seven or eight or nine courts. That that's a small place, very professionally run by former pros, and that's the place that I. Even though they did invite me, I still gonna I'm still gonna include them in the book. You wanna know how impartial I am? I'm still gonna include them in the book, and I always give them a good recommendation for high level players to go visit. It's called Four Slam. The number Four Slam. It's in Gava, one of my favorite little beach towns in the southwest of Barcelona. So Four Slam. If you have a higher level player like a pro or an ITF kid, that's a really cool, well, not as well-known place to, to receive professional training. See, guys, you should let me come visit because of what, what I, all I say is good things about you guys. Anyway, so I made the road trip down to, I didn't go to Mallorca. Um, in Mallorca, basically, you have three options of training. You have the Vilas Academy you have global tennis. My friend Joffrey Porta is the king there, and um, he's a legend. And you have RNA, which is Rafa Nadal Academy, which is a big, big, uh, glossy, you know, like like the Boletari Academy of Spain, even like the IMG, kind of like the IMG Academy, where you can get. Uh, a lot of really high-level training if you're a serious player and you hook up with the right coaches, but you can also get a lot of uneven training there depending on your level. You could get lost in the cracks. Then there's a lot of recreational players going there just to say that they went to the Rafael Nadal Academy. So you get a lot of uh, you know, kids who are not as serious there because they're, they're just sort of like tourists. You know, they're, It's like kind of like a celebrity holiday thing. Um, but that's how they that's how they you know run a business that's part of the business uh, there are places in Spain that don't do any of that they don't do any holiday celebrity type deals you know you know you go to r n a and you can go to the museum and and you might get to see Rafa there or some other pros it's very very cool so the other place you made so I made the road trip down to Valencia and Alicante had my little uh stick shift. Got my manual transmission. I had a little uh, little Euro car, and I was working those gears, heading south to Alicante. It's about a four or five hour drive. Um, specifically, they wanted to give me an automatic transmission. I said, no, no, no. I want man- Manuel. I asked for the Manuel, which is how they pronounce the manual. And the guy looked at me like, oh, he had like a. The guy at Hertz had a bit more respect for me when I asked for the Manuel. Uh, so I, I drove my little, uh, probably four cylinder, uh, Euro car, drove that thing down to JC Ferrero Academy. And I haven't been there in, gosh, at least, at least 10 years. And the Academy hasn't changed that much. It's grown a bit. They've added courts, they've added some facilities, but it's still kind of a medium sized Academy. It's certainly not the monstrosity that, you know, the, 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 uh, certainly not, not as expansive as the Rafa Nadal Academy is. But anyway, so I was there for a few days. It was awesome. I stayed right at their rural hotel, which is like they have these cabins on site. And, and I basically like, you know, followed around the, uh, the academy uh, players all day and watched all the coaches work, which was awesome. And they have an incredibly professional place there. I think it's much better if you're a pro. Like they definitely cater to pros and high-level ITF kids. They have a amazing level of of especially boys like their their boys and men's team is very very high level like very top 
top in Spain, top in Europe, top ITF juniors, and they have a number of professional players at JC Ferrero. Equalité. I think it's Equalité. I don't know why they that's part of their name because no one can pronounce it. Like Equalité. I think it's... Uh, I, I want to know why they named it JC Ferrero Equalité. Uh, I don't. I don't really understand what it means. Maybe balance or something, but um, the place is. If you're like a, a high level male, the place is amazing, and the and the the, co the level is very very high. You know, um, but I think if you're like it, if you're like just a, like a tourist or you're a, you're a younger kid and you're coming for a few weeks or like summer camp, I mean I think you have to be careful because I'm not sure the the training is. Uh, is equi is is the same for the pros as for the uh, the ju the the kids who are are lower level like and that's something I always watch out for when I visit academies I always uh, I want to know like if I bring like an eleven or twelve year old uh, who's not top rank like are they getting like super professional training like everybody else and uh, that's something you have to investigate more if, uh, at J C Ferrero but but I mean. If you have a high-level player, their pro team, their ITF team is amazing. And the coaches are so dedicated and passionate. So I highly recommend that for if you have that level of a player. Um, uh, I have a question about basket feeding. I'll answer that in a, in a moment. Um, in in JC Ferrero, the the facilities are more modest than at Rafa Nadal Academy. Rafa Nadal Academy, the facilities are more luxurious, and uh, JC Ferrero, I would say it's a nice place, but but a little more humble in terms of the facilities, the restaurant, or even compared to Sanchez Casal, the restaurant at Sanchez Casal is like a very high end. I would say uh, probably the best uh, academy restaurant I've been to. Uh, things are a little bit more modest down in Vienna in uh, the Alicante area for J.C. Ferrero. And, but the facilities are very nice. The clay courts are beautiful. They have a very simple gym. Like, they don't have a fancy technologically advanced gym. Just a very simple gym setup. And they work uh, the Spanish way. They suffer. They, they, they endure. They, they, um, they are very, very disciplined. Uh, that's something that really separates that academy. The, the kids are so well-behaved. I think they must throw out every kid who, who misbehaves because the, the, behavior, the, 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 like the, the level of courtesy and respect on the court from all the players is uh, unusual. There are no, I didn't see, I was there for a few days, didn't see like any whining, no complaining, no disrespecting the coaches. Like, I, I'm pretty, I know they have a very strict standard for character and... Uh, morality and they have a lot of rules for uh, behavior and I don't think they mess around at JC Ferrer. I think if you're not uh, following the rules or behaving well I think they you're out and uh, for better or for worse uh, the atmosphere is uh, impressive because they have all these kids who are just like uh, going about their business and working hard and not making a lot of drama, and I think that makes for a very special place to train. But I remember visiting the first time, and they were talking to me about all the rules that they had, like the the the, the following the rules, and uh, uh, proper behavior was a really important thing at J.C. Ferrero, and I think partly because J.C. Ferrero lives there, and uh, Antonio Cascales also lives there. He lives there. 
uh, those are you know, those are the the owners of the academy. I think they don't put up with any crap, and they don't want any drama uh, going on near their they're basically their home. Like the 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 academy is built around J.C. Ferrero's private home, and he's walking around all the time. Uh, one of the I was disappointed that he that J.C. himself Juan Carlos. I met him. Um, he's like super cool dude. Like like he looks like a model. He he has model looks, and he sort of like walks around calmly, sometimes wearing sunglasses, and he doesn't uh, he doesn't speak that much. He's not very verbal, but when he does speak, like he he everyone seems to really perk up and listen to him. But I was surprised that uh, he he's not as vocal as I thought he would be. You know, if my name was on the academy, I would. Um, I would be like talking to everyone. Like you go to like Rick Macy's Academy and he's calling out everyone. Everyone's got a nickname. You know, it's very verbal and vocal. And Juan Carlos is like very uh, taciturn, which is like a word for uh, like, like quiet and reserved. Uh, he's very, he's very, he's very laconic. Is that the right word? Uh, like he's, a, he's definitely a man of few words. And which I think is kind of a disappointment because, like, if you go there, it's hard to get there. It, it's not the easiest uh, place to travel to. Uh, it's not like flying direct to Barcelona. Like, it'd be nice if he'd throw out a bone to all the all the kids there, like, especially all the campers, the young kids. You know, uh, I kind of miss like like what like what Rick Macy does is, is is Macy's a genius as far as I'm concerned. I've been listening to a lot of Macy interviews and podcasts. The guy the guy's he always impresses me. The guy's a genius. Anyway, what like you know, Macy's got like nicknames and calling out people say, "Hey, you awesome job over there." You know, "Hey man, what's up?" Uh uh I was really shocked that Juan Carlos is uh he's there. He's definitely there walking around, but I got the sense he's spending more time with the pro team and he he just not not as um maybe not I mean not as charismatic and not as vocal uh, as he could be, which I think is a shame. Because obviously he's got like a great knowledge, and uh, it'd be awesome if he shared that with all the little kids that that revere him. Because he's like a god there. He's 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 uh, Jay, he's he's wonky, you know. They call him wonky. He 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 looks like a god. He's got like these. I'm stunned by his uh, his uh, his. Uh, his uh, good looks and 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 he, and he sort of uh, he walks around quietly and and dispenses a little bit of knowledge to the pro players and but but he's a little bit aloof uh, when it comes to the others which I thought I I, I don't understand you know uh, because people come to visit me in my academy I, I try to make an impression on everyone try to speak with all the kids get them you know try to make a connection like a connection with uh, I, I guess you could say he's a little bit disconnected from the. Uh, the the kids who are not pros, uh, also charging two thousand an hour, which is uh, uh, a lot. I think that's the most that I've encountered for a private lesson. He's not super available if you want to take lessons with him, and it's two thousand per hour if you want one. So uh, you got to bring the big bucks if you're going to JC Ferrero and you want some FaceTime with with Juan Carlos. You got to bring the the bankroll. That's even more than Macy. I mean, Macy's charging about 800 So uh, you're getting a deal with Rick Macy. And you're probably getting a much cooler nickname with Rick Macy. Anyway, the question was, can you develop a champion uh, with uh, 
baskets. And I think that I asked Luis Bruguera that question, and he said you have to do baskets to make the players uh, get the repetitions and make them tough. But I have my questions about that. I think it's probably possible with a talented kid, especially if you're working one-on-one, to do a lot more live ball and still develop a tough, strong player with all the requisite tools. But uh, uh, in Spain, for better or for worse, uh, a lot of the coaches there, Pato Alvarez and Luis Bruguera, I think they concur that baskets are the way to uh, develop the discipline and the the stamina and the stroke production and and move and 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 footwork and movement. You use baskets to develop those skills on a daily basis. That's definitely a huge part of the Spanish way. And for some people, that's a big turnoff. To be honest, some people they find the Spanish way, the traditional Spanish way. I'm, I'm you know. In Spain, the the methods there are evolving, but traditionally, there's a lot of baskets. Uh, so much so that it can be a turnoff, it can be potentially a trigger for burnout, potentially a trigger for boredom. Uh, to me, it, it I don't know if you ever studied the mathematical system called or, or method called Kumon, which my kids did Kumon for a number of years, uh, which is a Japanese method of learning math, and it's through rote repetition. You know, you do uh, you memorize calculation after calculation or like arithmetic after uh, uh, all all usually starting with arithmetic and uh, the Spanish way in the minds of Luis Bruguera and Pato Alvarez definitely sort of reminds me of that that Kumon style where you come you do your repetitions every day and you memorize these these things and then from there you have the foundation to become a top player but not all Spanish coaches believe that. Not all Spanish coaches are as uh, strict as that. For example, Juan Carlos Ferrero's coach, Tony Cascales, Antonio Cascales, down in Alicante, he definitely is not, uh, is not as big a believer in rote training. I found that really interesting. The philosophy at J.C. Ferrero is more balanced. You know, some drills, some live ball, uh, a bit more balance in terms of uh, how many baskets are we going to do you definitely got that sense at Juan Carlos Ferrero's academy. I think Tony Nadal is also like that. Uh, so more balance in terms of philosophy and method. Jose Higueras, who I've spent a long time studying with, uh, famous Spanish coach, definitely more balanced in terms of how much basket work versus live ball. So I, I think, but when you talk about the legends, the, the godfathers, the grandfathers, the uh, the founding fathers of Spanish tennis, Luis Bruguera and Pato Alvarez, they definitely came from a place where they felt that you needed to do a lot of baskets, a lot of repetitions to get tough and strong, and to uh, to build up your stamina and discipline. So I hope that helps answer that question. But guys, uh, I'm running over time here. I gotta go volunteer on the ambulance, and the question is. What, rallies and live ball drills? Yes, I know. There's there's two basic uh, philosophies. You have uh, coaches who believe more in live ball because it's more realistic and others who believe in uh, dead ball training and basket training. I think I did a podcast on this probably back in the day. If you look back through the uh, podcast or YouTube shows, I think we did a podcast on that subject exactly. I know I've written articles on that, but it's it's uh it's an interesting topic that I'd be happy to talk more with you about uh but it's 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 pretty nuanced because it depends on the personality of the player some players 
really prefer more rote repetition and some players need a more creative live ball environment to thrive. I think it can go, you can, I think you can create a champion either in either with either style, but you got to know the type of kid you have or the type of player you have in front of you. But I'm going to go do uh, overnight on the ambulance guys, because as you know, I'm not only a tennis coach, I'm also answering 911 calls uh, one night a week as a volunteer EMT. So wish me luck on the ambulance tonight. God bless. And if you have any questions about tennis development or what I've been saying in Spain, gosh, we could probably do a whole other show. Just keep talking about my Spain trip. But um, if you have any questions about, you know, my latest trip to Spain and the latest trends there, what's happening with the academies or the coaches uh, there, just, just hit me up with an email or, um, or message me or WhatsApp me. All right. Thanks, guys. God bless. Have a good night. We hope you enjoyed the program. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and recommend the show to your friends. We greatly appreciate your likes and shares. Thank you for your support of the show and for helping us grow our audience. If you would like to train with Chris, please visit chrislewitt.com for more info. You can also join Chris's online school, clta.teachable.com, and follow his blog at prodigymaker.com. A reminder that all show archives can be found at youtube.com forward slash chrislewitt. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Vamos.